Welcome to the Down About Down podcast from County Down, Northern Ireland, with your host Chris Scott, for your ears only. Welcome along to another edition of the Down About Down podcast with me, your host, Chris Scott. Thank you for joining me and lending me your ears. In this podcast, I am talking to Andrea Murda. Andrea is originally from Belfast and now resides close to Kalinchi in County Down. Yeah, from a city girl to a country girl. A mother of three, Andrea is a busy lady, but despite all those mummy duties, she still has time to run her own business called The Real Life Hack. Andrea is currently holding a series of sessions for a meditation and journaling circle meeting fortnightly in Ballygown Community Centre, which commenced on the 13th of August. I caught up with Andrea after an exhilarating morning swim down at the quay in Killalay with Killalay dippers and strippers. Andrea is coming up after this. Chatting with Chris on the Down About Down podcast. We've just been for a swim this morning down at Killalay off the quay, and my goodness, what a beautiful Saturday morning. Uh, one of those ladies who was out this morning was Andrea Murda. Welcome along, Andrea. Thank you. Uh, thank you for participating in the Down About Down, Down podcast. Now, I said we were out in the quay this morning, a strange place to meet, but what a lovely morning, and what a wonderful way just to chill out. That's beautiful. I love, love the cold water swimming. Yeah, good for wellness. Very, very, very good. That's one of my tools I would use for myself all the time, try and go once a week. And that's really what we're going to talk about this morning, Andrea. Um, as I say, thank you for coming along. I first had a look at you on Facebook because up popped this real life hack uh, and, and this Facebook site. And I wonder what it's all this about. And then I started to look into it and explore it. And uh, I'm going to let you tell us the rest. Okay, well, I initially started um, writing blogs um, I think they still exist actually somewhere if you look for them as um, life hack mum or life hack mum of one um, and I was always trying to find ways to make my life easier as I struggled a bit after my first baby um, and that has evolved over time from finding life hacks to what I have now believed is the real life hack is mastering your mind and using tools to look after your wellness so that's what I do and that's my business the real life hack. The word hack, hack was used whenever I was young, whenever you got a cut in your finger, a hack. But uh, explain exactly what a hack is now. Um, well, it would be used really for like things that make your life easier. So whenever I started out, it was things like how to keep on top of your housework and how to manage that side of life and overwhelm. Um, and then I have now come to discover that actually all of those tips that I originally began seeking out, they only touch the surface. But the real life hack is... It comes from inside of you. So managing how you're feeling inside. Um, yes, all of those other things still come into play um, and managing that overwhelm. But it's really any sort of a hack is just something that makes your life easier. And for me, um, mindset, meditation, journaling, those are the things that are like, they keep everything calm. And if you're calm inside, then everything else falls into place on the outside. I mean, your your own life, Andrea, um can I ask where you grew up? I mean, were, were, were you a Belfast lady? Were you a country lady? Yes, I'm very much a city girl. So I grew up in the city, in Belfast. Um, my husband, he's more of a country boy, and we've now moved out to the countryside near Kalinchy. So, yes, city girl, born and bred, now living in the country. So from County Adram to County Down, perhaps? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so growing up, I mean, family life? I mean, are you siblings and, and, and mum and dad and so on? Yes. How, how was life at a younger age? Mum and dad, and I'm one of four, so quite busy. Um, pretty 
pretty normal upbringing, I think. Um, city life, growing up during the Troubles, um, three siblings, yeah, pretty pretty bog standard, I'd say. And now, moving on, you're a mother uh, and you have three children. Yeah, I am. I have a six-year-old, a three-year-old and I just turned one-year-old. So life is busy then. I mean, I've been there and done all that. And, and you know, I, from a man's point of view, there's a job to hold down. You're coming back in the family life. It can be quite stressful sometimes. Yeah, well, I went from, I was um, a dyslexia teacher before I became a mum and I was working a lot of hours. So I would have worked 40, 50 hours some weeks. Um, and then whenever I had my first, I think it was a massive, massive shock to the system to go from being that busy working person not a parent um, to just being a mum at home with a new baby and I really struggled with my mental health um, for about the first nine months of motherhood Um, that was a really difficult time for me could that have been just put down to like postnatal depression or you know is that just a word we use but there's a lot of other things maybe that we don't know about I think it was um, partly that so postnatal depression would be um, like a a chemical thing that goes on in your body um, to do with your hormones. But I also think for me, um, it was a massive change from being so busy and working and having, you know, a big sphere of people that I interacted with every day to being at home alone. I think that was a massive impact on me. Um, And also with my first, I had a very traumatic birth. It was a planned section, but it wasn't my plan. Um, And I... I really struggled with that coming up to that um, decision being made um, and I experienced panic attacks and I kind of went into myself so that was the first part of my mental ill health during that time. So I think it was like the perfect storm of postnatal depression, post-traumatic stress and just a total and utter culture shock change of life um, being thrown into motherhood at the deep end. It's interesting you use post-traumatic stress. I've never heard that as a man. Maybe that's wrong, but I've never heard that used when, when we're yeah. in a birth situation. Um, it would, unfortunately, be very common um, to have birth trauma. Um, I also volunteer for the parent rooms, which is specifically for parents, and a lot um, of the parents there would have experienced birth trauma. When you, when you had children, uh, your first child... Was there naivety there? Was there no support there? Do you know, did you find you're just left on your own? You're a lady, you're having a baby, she'd know all about this, she can go to classes, but you know what? Yeah, I I think um, growing up, I don't know that I was really very maternal. Like whenever I look at my sister or other people, they were always very maternal, very interested in other people's babies. I didn't really have that, I don't think, growing up. Um, And then my, my sister had her children long before me so I was young when she had her so again not really that interested didn't really take anything in and my friends had had their children younger so again didn't really look at it so when I was having my babies I didn't know anybody else with babies and hadn't really taken much interest in other people's babies so I kind of didn't know what I was doing and I I think to a degree nobody really knows what they're doing we're all just winging it as they say Um, but for me I did feel very isolated and alone and didn't really have anybody to relate to or say is this normal so I thought it was just me I thought there's something wrong with me um I'm not fit for this and that was a really really hard time and I remember I didn't want to ask for help because then I thought people would think I I was a failure 
I they would take my children away and so that's why it took me until about nine months to ask for help even. So I, I came and spoke to my health visitor at that time and I said, Look, I'm really not okay. And then I found my wee community of other people that felt the same and then that was that that I think has been my biggest comfort is just having that community and people who've said, you know, I felt that way too and finding out that it is sadly it is common but there's something in that knowing that it's not just you. It's not me, I'm not broken. It's just sometimes being a mummy is hard. You said you found other people. How did you find other people? Um, for me, it was breastfeeding groups, actually. That's where I found um, all of my mummy tribe, as I would call them now. Yeah. So finding other people in the same situation with children the same age who are going through the same things so that when you think gosh my baby hasn't slept all night or it's not do, doing this or I can't do that and reaching out to people and saying this is what's happening with me and they say oh my baby's doing that too and then you think oh okay maybe this is the thing that babies at nine months or six months or whatever do maybe you know I haven't done it all wrong I'm not failing as a parent this is just how it is. You mentioned then about the parent room uh, I think I've said that the parent rooms parent rooms, parent rooms. Uh, that's has been an important part of your life and probably still is to a degree. Yes, so I volunteer with the Parent Room, so it's a, a charity specifically for parents um, and their mental health. Um, so I found them kind of as I was emerging from my recovery after my first baby um, and I then went along to volunteer with them and I, so I, I studied and did their peer support training um, and I then the pandemic happened so it was supposed to be in-person groups but we then launched online support during the pandemic so I ran um, a support group online with them once a week throughout the pandemic um, and then I still volunteer with them and I was running a walking group in Belfast and now I'm hoping to set one up more locally near the Kalinchi or thereabouts um, in the next few months. You're obviously well respected within this because there, there's there's remarks online about you, how you're amazing. You walk and talk volunteer, years of committing time uh, and energy and boundless amounts of that um, to that organisation. And they say that we exist because of people like you. Now, you didn't just walk in there. You must have had some sort of training or, or, or background yes. experience of that. I was in the very first cohort of peer supporters. So um, we did... Um, I can't remember how many months it was it was like maybe five, six months of training um, to be able to support other parents who are going through something difficult with their mental health so I was through that first cohort and then we started um, supporting people um, throughout the pandemic and there have been I think two more training um, cohorts through to support people so yeah I'm trained So the training itself, I mean, for someone like me, you say I want to get into this sort of thing. I mean, are there actually men that actually do this? Um, it is open to men, but we do find that it is usually women who come. So we have a few um, dads that come and we have some granddads that come, mm-hmm. but it, it does tend to be mostly women. So yes, if men want to join, they would be extremely welcome. Um, yeah, And if you want to go and do the peer support training, it is open to men as well. What does the training entail then? I mean, what, how, do you, how do you start? What, what are we learning? What do you do? Is it interaction in the classroom situation? Um, yes, yeah, so when I did it, um, I think the second cohort was all online because it was during the pandemic but when I did it it was in-person training um, and there were two trainers and then we would have attended weekly and we would have gone through things like um, how to do active listening, how to support people um, and learning all about um, the different types of difficulties people might be dealing with so it's kind of learning about um, what people might be facing and how best to support them. 
and the skills that you need to do that. And I suppose a lot of that is also know what other resources are out there. I mean, years ago, all we had was a Samaritans or a confidential line or something like that. You know, there's so many other forms of support out there that people have different issues. You can, you know, where to push them towards. Yeah. So p- part of that role is signposting people. Um, so we would signpost, obviously, um, if people are struggling to their GPs or there are other charities that might be more appropriate in certain circumstances. But otherwise, um, we will support you. And we have trained counsellors. Um, we have um, groups. We have coffee mornings. We have walking groups. We have tots groups, there are art activities, there are all manner of things that um, you can do to support your well-being. Chris Scott on the Down About Down podcast. You had made a comment in 2020, so grateful to have found a job I can do while holding my babies, and that's so important to you, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um... I need to find something that kind of fits around my life because I didn't return to work fully after I had my babies because I felt like I I couldn't do both jobs well because I was either devoting my time all to work or my children. So I kind of need something that fits in around my family. So tell me then about how the real life hack, the the inception, how it all came about then, how your idea formulated into a, a business, basically. Yeah, so... During my own recovery, um, I used meditation and journaling um, as a way of calming my mind. So I, I, looking back now, I would have always sort of had anxiety and depression um, growing up. And I didn't realise that, I don't think, um, until I was a bit older. Um, but those were the tools that I used. And then I saw advertised on Instagram... Um, a meditation teacher training course and I wasn't actually intending to be a teacher but I wanted to learn more about meditation because it was something that I had found really helpful um, and so I went to do the meditation teacher training course literally just to learn more about meditation and how I could use it for myself but within that first week of um, doing the study I thought I have to share this with other people so literally as I was learning I began to teach, so I learnt and I taught at the same time. So I just advertised on my Facebook or Instagram page that I was going to run an online course. Again, because I was already running the support groups for the parent rooms online, um, I just thought, well, this is another way that I can support people who are at home during the pandemic. So I just set up an online class via Zoom to teach people meditation and journaling Mm -hmm. and... The Real Life Hack was born. It runs off your tongue here, meditation and journaling, and I'm going, okay, meditation, I sort of get that. Journaling, what's journaling? I, for me, it'll be different for everybody, but for me, it's a kind of a form of meditation, but instead of it happening in your head, it happens on paper. So I would use journaling to get what's in my head out. I find, especially with anxiety my mind would be really really busy and the only time that it is not busy is when I am deep in meditation but the only other time that it calms down is when I get what's in my head out onto paper so for me just the very act of writing what is in my head on paper is therapeutic it gets it out of my head it calms my mind it creates space in my head that wasn't there before so journaling can be lots of things but for me and what I teach that's what it's for 
journaling can be a very personal thing, though, to put that out there, to put it on paper. Yeah, it may be something that no one else will ever see, but there's a chance someone might get their hands on that. Yes, that that is something that is a barrier to lots of people that do my course. And what I will always say at the start is you do not need to reread it. Nobody else needs to read it. If that is what is holding you back, you can put it in the bin. You can burn it. You can eat it. You don't have to do anything with it. Nobody needs to see it. But the very act of writing it on paper can be extremely therapeutic. And then what you do with it after that is up to yourself. So if you want to keep it in a book and reflect back on it when you wish, you can do that. Otherwise, you can bin it, burn it, eat it. (laughs) You'd said something earlier about anxiety and depression. And you didn't really know that you had those, you know... Explain to me, now looking back on it, what was going on? I mean, as you look outside, back to that person, what would I have seen? I was always a worrier as a child. And I don't really... I I was always told I was shy. But I don't I don't know that I really am shy. And that, that is something that I that I still kind of battle with so when I go to teach my classes I have to have a wee word with myself first to remind myself that I'm not shy but growing up I was always sort of told that I was shy and I would have held back from doing things or worried about what people would have thought of me or you know think negative thoughts about myself always putting myself down and that's one of the things that I've learnt from meditation and what I teach other people now is to challenge those negative thoughts. Mm-hmm. So before I just kind of accepted that I was a shy person or that I wasn't able to do things, but now I would challenge that and say, well, am I really shy? Or, you know, is there? why am I holding myself back from doing these things? Okay. But depression's different, though. I mean, that, that's not just being shy. That That's going into a different zone, isn't it? Uh, you may not recognise you're in, but how was that? How, how was that affecting did you? Did you know anything about it until you actually came out of it? Or I think I would describe it now as depression for me feels like a big black cloud when you're in the middle of it and you can't see the way out when you're there. And then when you come out, you look back and you think, gosh, it was quite easy to get out of that. But you can't see it when you're there. So I feel like I was there during my teenage years and throughout university and early adulthood, but I didn't know really that I was there. I was just existing Mm-hmm. Um, and didn't really know that there was a way out. And now looking back, I think, oh gosh, funny I had done this, or if I had thought about that differently, or like it's easy to look back and see, you could have got out of that, but at the time I was too in the black cloud to see a way out, mm-hmm. or even know that it was there. So, you, you, that teenage years, and, and now you're an adult, you have, have three children, you have life experience, but surely not every day is a good day. When you get up in the mornings, like all of us, not every day can be a good day. The kids are playing up, husbands playing up. There's, there's, you know, how do you get each day? You're, you're, you're here. I've seen you this morning, been chatting to you, been out swimming. You're seem a happy, bright person, but we all have sometimes little down days. But you're trained to get over all that. Does all that work in your own life, really? It's, it's not a, it's not a magic wand, and it is an ongoing thing. And I am very open about my ongoing mental health issues and I do have down days and I use I use these tools to get back more quickly but it doesn't stop it from happening I I I don't I don't know that you ever really get rid of anxiety or or depression I feel like it's always there in the background Um, but having these tools helps me to kind of get out of it more quickly so if a situation happens where I begin to spiral into those dark thoughts or become down or depressed or anxious 
previously I would have been there weeks, months, years possibly. But now, you know, that might only last a morning or a day or, you know, if it's something really difficult that might last a week or a month. Um, But I can get out much more quickly than I used to be able to. Would your husband recognise that? Is that something you can talk to him about? Yeah, we would talk about those things very openly with each other and um, I would be able to say to him, you know, I'm, I'm struggling and it's good to have somebody that you can talk about that with because, like like I said before about that black cloud, sometimes when you're in it you can't see your way out, so it's good to have somebody to say to you, well, have you done this? Have you remembered to meditate? What about journaling about that? Or even, you know, is it time to speak to the GP? Do you maybe need to start your tablets again? So it's it's quite good to have somebody who knows what your tools are because everybody's tools will be different so it's good to have somebody on your side that can kind of remind you when you can't see your way out of that black cloud so that toolbox that you take to one of your classes in what what's in it i mean is it like here's how to breathe properly or what 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 are the big tools and what you're not going to reveal all your secrets of course <laughs> but what what are the big things that that usually will help people um well one of my courses is called practical magic and that's because there's a bit of both so there are practical tools in there like things to help manage your day so like my time finder tool um to help find how you're managing your time are you using your time wisely are you finding time to look after yourself so things like that are practical and then the magic side of things is things like meditation and journaling um so it's a bit of a balance of both so managing your life making things easier for yourself practically and then all of those tools like journaling, meditation, breath work, those sorts of things. So it's a bit of both. Chatting with Chris on the Down About Down podcast. Am I right in saying you're an author? Well, self-published. <laughs> but yeah, I um, writing is something that I have always done um, since a child. It's just a creative outlet for me. Um, and I have put together a couple of books just of all of the things that I teach just as another way of, that people can access them if they're not um, able to or don't feel comfortable joining the class that's just another way that they can access that information So what actually have you self-published? Uh, I mean, I'm sure there's things out there on Amazon and all the usual uh, Kindle and things that we can download what, what's out there? Well, the only one that you can um, access that way is the 21 days to journaling book so that started actually as an email campaign for my um life hack group so that was just a 21 day challenge for people to learn how to journal so for people like yourself who didn't know very much about journaling that's 21 days that cover pretty much all of the main journaling tips so i have that on amazon um when people come back i also do have um a few copies left of basically the 10 week course that i teach in a book format which comes with um audio meditations as well but I just printed that off myself and have only a few copies left. I will eventually get that up um, on the Amazon too, but yeah, it's just, it's more like a hobby, I think. It, it, it caught my eye then that you were in Ballygan, so that's where the County Down link came in for me. Um, what's happening there at the minute then? Well, and if anybody wants to enrol, tell us a bit about that. So that is basically my 10-week course, which I have up until now only ever done online. This is the first time that it's happening in person. Um, and it is the 10 weeks to a new you course, but it's happening fortnightly. So that takes you through everything you could want to know, starting from very basic, what is meditation, what is journaling and how to do it, to all of the different ways that you can use meditation and journaling, both for your mental health and for your personal development. So for those people who have attended then um, to date, what's your feedback like? 
well we've only had one week so far but the feedback has been really good um so they have been used and some of them have never meditated or journaled before and they are now using it most days and they're finding that it has really had a very good impact on their mental health they're feeling much better um, they're getting up in the mornings and they're using those tools to set them up for the day and then they're using them again in the evening to reflect on their day and set them up again for the next day so feedback's been good they've been enjoying it what about yoga? There's a lot of yoga classes in this area. Does uh, any of that come into it? Any or is it more uh, non-movement? If that make, makes yeah. any sense. So, I suppose I would use yoga personally. It's not something that I teach or I'm trained to, to teach. Um, but there would be a bit of a crossover between yoga and meditation and the breathwork side of things. Um, so that's just another well-being tool that you might use. Yeah, going back into your uh, your history, I mean, you, you can stalk somebody's Facebook if you want to, but you, you, you seem, I'm not going to say an earth mother, as that, as that may, may or not be, you, you talked about breastfeeding, and you're very, that's that's obviously very personal. The, I, I noticed other products that you, you would have been selling in the past, you know, like uh, roll-on things, and you've applied to the skin, which will obviously ease anxieties and things like that. Is that something you're still involved with? Um, I don't sell, I don't sell it anymore. But um, I would still use a lot of like essential oils and try and use more natural things because I do, I do think what you put into your body makes a difference to how you feel. So that would be something that I would do personally. Although it's not something that I. I would teach. I mean, I'm happy to talk about it, but um, I do believe kind of what you put on and in your body makes a big difference. And I would use um, essential oils for help. That's one of my tools that I would use as well to help me feel calmer. The way I see things, everyone complements everyone else, and that that's what it's about. Yeah, everything's linked. Um, you know what you think, what you feel, what you eat, what how you move, like everything has an impact on your well-being. So I, I suppose it's important to just take care of all of those ac- aspects. It's amazing that you have three kids and you have all this going on as well. Is that not, it, it's very disciplined for a way of life as well, do you, do you find? So that, that could be putting pressure on you, no? I don't think so. I feel, if anything, that's what kind of helps me. So... Life is chaotic, I'm not going to lie. My house is chaotic (laughs) most of the time. Um, But it's those tools that kind of help me deal with that chaos. So this is my little bit of calm that helps me to push on through the chaos of family life. Chris Scott on the Down About Down podcast. So through your your meditation training, um, I'm sure you've met people from all aspects and walks of life. There's bound to be success stories then, I'm sure you've seen that. And you may not be out, you may not talk about them, but I mean, I, I'm sure there are success stories for other people who have been to your courses. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, um, there's a few people um, have gone on to set up their own businesses. So um, I'm thinking of two in particular uh, who were not happy in their jobs. And this is not at all what this course has been designed for, but it has happened more than a few times now um, where people have just not been happy in their situation and have then after the course one of the aspects of it is finding all of the the different things that make you you and finding your passion and your purpose and that might just be for something to pursue as a hobby but quite a few people have then taken that a step further and have gone on to set up their own businesses um, and just create a life that they want which is what I talk about doing in the course is creating a life that you love so for for a few people that might mean leaving the job that you're in and setting up your own business and creating a job that you love which is 
what I've done. So other people have been inspired to go and do the same. It's a big thing, isn't it? It is. It's quite scary. So what usually people have done, they do it gradually. They don't just, you know, finish the 10 weeks and throw everything out and start up again. So quite often they'll, you know, keep on their their full-time job and set up part-time and then gradually, you know, wean over to being fully self-employed. So give me an example. I mean, what two people that you, you just said there you knew personally, what, what did they do then? Um, there is the lovely Catherine who has set up her decluttering business and um, Kerry who has set up her Mindful Messages. So um, Catherine had a passion for decluttering and she has now got her declutter bird business and she goes helping people to declutter. She came and did my house as well and that created not only physical space but mental space for me and it's amazing. Um, and so she that's what she does, that's her passion. She helps other people and also enjoys her life immeasurably now that she does that um, and then Kerry with her mindful messages she has um, now gone fully self-employed she is a trained counsellor and she, she's supporting people that way and she's running her own workshops and she also has merchandise that you can buy to help you be mindful so you must be so proud that, that you know that these things have led to bigger things for people yeah. as well it's it's quite humbling, actually, um, when people come back and they say, you know, what a, what a difference it has made. And I'm just thinking about one of the other parent rooms, volunteers made me cry recently. We had um, an event and she stood up at the front and she talked so amazingly. And I was so proud of her because I knew what she had been through. And then she came to me afterwards and she said that was because of me. And I can't, I find it really hard to accept those compliments but at the same time that's why I do what I do is yeah. because I want to make a difference to people yeah, yeah. which is almost yeah, that you have so to move on then um, no one knows what, what lies around the corner but we always have goals in life so how do you develop on that and where, where are you going I would like to do it a bit more full time so at the minute I am only working at weekends um because that's that what works with small children. Um, but as they grow up, I would like to obviously do this more um, and move to more full-time. I, I have dreams of having my own premises and having like a little haven where people can come to and meet together in little groups and support each other and learn from each other and build each other up. Um, but yeah, I don't know what that will look like just at the minute. But that's the dream. Good. Chris Scott on the Down About Down podcast. So, Andrea, I, I want to turn up at a class. Um, what am I going to expect, though? Because that can be quite anxious in itself. How, how, does, that, how does that roll out, then? Um, well, come as you are. There's no expectations. If you want to bring your own mat or cushion or whatever, that's fine. But I have everything you need. So literally all you need to do is show up yourself. When we get into the class, there'll be a theme for each week, so something I'm going to teach you about meditation and journaling. And the first half of the class will be me telling you the theory behind what we're going to learn today. And then we kind of discuss it as we go through. So I, I'll i say here is something that you can do, or somebody might say, I'm struggling with this at home. And we learn from each other as well. So I'll I'll give you my insight, but I find as a group we learn lots from each other. Um, so another person might say, well, here's what I do. Have you tried this? Or this is something that I find helpful. So there's a lot of discussion in that first half of the group. And that's really nice to kind of get to know each other and feel comfortable. 
And then once we've discussed all of the theory about what we're going to learn, we'll settle into the meditation. So then you know what the meditation is for, how it's going to go, how you're going to use it. Um, and we'll have the meditation and then that's followed up by the journaling. Um, so each week it's on a theme. And then following the meditation and the journaling, you'll also then be given some resources to support you to take home. Um, and they'll be like guides of what you can do in the morning routine during the week and what you could do in the evening routine during the week just to help you use what you've learnt in the class and bring it into your life. Age groups, I mean, are we talking 16-year-olds? We're talking 76-year-olds? What, 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 what's your target area or who, who turns up? It's it's open to anybody, anybody at all. Um, but I, I kind of find that I sort of attract my own sort of age group, so I'll be 40 this year. But either side of that, it does seem to be sort of mid to late 20s, all the way up to, you know, 50s, 60s, but open to anybody at all. So for anyone who wants to find out more, Andrea, get in contact with you. Uh, I'm sure there's lots of methods out there now. It's not just the phone numbers anymore. In my day, it used to be four digits, and then it went to six digits, but we have so many ways of communicating. So what's out there for people to look at, or how do they get in touch with you? Well, you can look at my website, which is therealifehack.co.uk. I'm also on Instagram. Um, and Facebook as well but the website's probably the easiest to find um, and then I have the Fortnite e-group in Ballygowan which you can book online on my website and then next week we're starting an online group which is also the 10 weeks to a new online course and it will run fortnightly too so one week it will be in person and one week it will be online and although they, those are 10 week courses each week is a standalone unit so you can dip in and out as well Andrea that's fantastic. I could talk to you all day. I mean, there's so much in this. Um, but let's hope people get in touch. Uh, and uh, you're there for consultation if, if, if need be. I mean, people, I'm sure you do one-to-ones as well, if that's necessary. Yeah, I do offer one-to-one um, meditation um, and EFT, which we didn't talk about. But that's maybe a bit too out there for, for, for today. Um, but yeah, I do one-to-one as well. Andre, can I thank you for coming along today? Uh, and let's hope we'll have a chat in the future. Yeah, definitely. I've enjoyed speaking to you. and Happy to do it again anytime. Again, thank you so much to Andrea Murdoch from The Real Life Hack for giving up her time to speak with me on the Down About Down podcast. For more details on Andrea's venture, have a look at her Facebook page, The Real Life Hack. That's The Real Life Hack. You can join the other 260 followers of the page and find out all about the current sessions of Ballygown Meditation and Journaling Circle. There are lots of other details also on Andrea's site. Uh, lots of tips to help you along the way. Great stuff, Andrea. Thank you for that. Also, you can find Andrea's own podcast on Apple Podcasts. It's the Real Life Hack Podcast. Talking about energizing light, releasing stress and letting go. More details are also on her own website. That's www.therealifehack.co.uk. That's www.therealifehack.co.uk. Wishing you all the best for the future, Andrea. Thank you once again for tuning in to another edition of the Down About Down podcast with me, Chris Scott. Until the next time, stay safe, folks. You've been listening to Down About Down podcast, hosted and produced by Chris Scott for your ears only. If you would like to get in touch with Chris at the Down About Down podcast, then email downaboutdown at outlook.com.